Welcome. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Marketing Mind. At this show, we dive deeper into conversations with my friends in marketing. These experts are the best in their fields. We often connect at conferences, maybe on Twitter or LinkedIn, and I admire the work they do tremendously. My name is John Ellis. I am a marketing professional. I've been in digital marketing for close to 20 years now. And in that time, I met a lot of great people, a lot of great experts. This show is shared throughout all the major podcast channels. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and share with others. If you prefer to listen somewhere else and it's not there, please let me know. You can find me on Twitter every day discussing marketing, joining the conversation, or just ask me any digital marketing question. If I can't help you, I know an expert who can. And that's the other point of this podcast, to promote and show off these experts that you need to know. Find me on Twitter every day at John W. Ellis. Today I am talking to Nava Hopkins, Services Innovation Strategist, WordStream. I started off by asking Nava, what is the day-to-day like for Services Innovation Strategist at WordStream? Uh, so my day-to-day is I work across the entire book of business at WordStream. The agencies, the advertisers, national, international, identifying accounts that maybe could use a little bit of help. Of course, helping them, um, giving them those expert level consults, but then also taking insights back to our customer success organization, our product organization, and even elevating some of those trends uh, back to the the ad networks so that we can innovate um, and, and really move the needle for those SMBs and the agencies that serve them. Uh, so it's it's kind of a the best of both worlds of customer insights, product innovation, and then of course, uh, consulting. So it's, I get to be happiness by and it, it makes me really happy. What's really fun also is, um, Microsoft is, is a beloved partner, uh, of, of WordStream. And a lot of times people have a really, um, really unfortunate misconception of what opportunity exists on Microsoft. And so oftentimes when folks are hitting auction price issues, creative issues, uh, target audience issues on Google, where maybe uh, there is a really big opportunity there, but maybe they can't quite afford it yet. Uh, one of the, the big things I'll actually end up doing is actually helping folks, A, identify that Microsoft is a worthwhile endeavor, um, and then also helping them get that set up. So that's uh, that's good. Another thing I do that brings me a lot of joy Agencies are near and dear to my heart and actually helping agencies upsell their clients into budgets that actually will fit their needs and then also helping agencies be the hero to their clients. Uh, so if a client is really being um, unfortunate, uh, not that any client is ever unfortunate, is ever unfortunate, of course not. Um, but but just help, helping them be the hero to their client, um, whether that's being a third party, uh, an expert third party uh, to back up the, the agency, um, or whether it's giving the agency uh, the resources uh, to truly be that hero in and of themselves. How do you, because I know you're traveling a lot. I see you out there in the circuit. So that must be hard to sort of mix that in with, um, I mean, ultimately you got to report to your clients, but you still got to get out there and travel and do all the other work as well. Part of the reason why I'm able to build in the the travel um, and, and the speaking circuit is that I'm also able to gain insights into how WordStream is being perceived and being able to spread um, through the, the conference circuit, those lessons learned from from the internal base. So my core day-to-day is really focused on empowering WordStream customers. 
but I, I absolutely am empowered. Um, and I've been actually working on empowering other folks within our organization uh, to chase those thought leadership opportunities as well, uh, to, to go in and spread the data that the data sets that we learn or the data sets that we, we create. On average, how many conferences are you speaking out of here? Uh, probably around 15 to 20 if we want to count every little little one i don't get out as many because i um well i'm i'm independent so i'm i'm my own business and do my own thing so obviously uh budget becomes a concern when you sort of doing your own thing and i have to i have to pick and choose what makes sense for me and what makes financial sense what's interesting is different conferences i look at uh as, as having different values so for example pubcon uh there has never been a pubcon uh that's gone by where we haven't gotten at least one qualified customer, um, not just lead, but customer out, out of the conference. So it's, it definitely pays for itself. I don't know if, if, if you find this as well, um, that it's actually kind of fun and useful to go to conferences where it's not quite your target market, but you're able to pick up the adjacent. I, absolutely. Uh, and I agree with what you said about PubCon. That's uh, and I, and I can't do it this, this year for many multiple reasons, but uh, that one always pays off for me. Uh, not just financially, but education wise and networking wise. And it's just across the board. It's always a, a good one for me. But yeah, just in some of those conferences, they're just some of the best stuff you get is just, you know, in the hallways or at the bar or at the coffee shop. And there's just so much information. And um, those conferences, it's just about having that one right conversation that will lead to boundless value. Like I remember my very first PubCon was actually my very first major speaking gig. Like I've, I had done the little conferences, but, um, my very first PubCon was my very first like big, big one. And I had th- that one right conversation that led to multiple super useful ones. Whereas if I hadn't had the openness uh, to just strike up a conversation with anybody, I- it probably wouldn't have gone that way. It probably would have been a, a one-time thing. And so make sure that if you're going to go to a conference, have a conversation with at least one person that you don't know and that maybe is at a mentor level or a peer level that's just doing some really interesting things just to just strike up a conversation because from there you there's so much value you can get not just for your brand and and, and in defending you getting there but also for the personal brand um and, and amplifying that when i do these i um i always have some sort of plan going in and even if it's a conference i've been to 10 10 times 20 times whatever it may be um, I always have a plan. I mean, it's so easy just to, um, especially going somewhere like Vegas, hang out all night or go to the pool, whatever you're into and have some downtime. And, and I, I try to squeeze some of that in too, but I, I, I work it while I'm there though. I, I meet people for lunch. I meet them for dinner. I just, uh, I catch them in the hallway. Hey, so let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's step back a little bit. Cause I'm curious how sure. you, um, outside of like, how do you tell people sort of, I guess, family or mom, dad, whatever, grandma, sort of what you do. What's your explanation from a non, non-tech non person? I help people find what they're looking for. Um, when it comes to more things like social or display, um, when we're not talking about straight up search, then I, I talk about, so you know how sometimes ads are really annoying and sometimes you don't notice that they're ads until you've already bought the thing? I'm the person that helps businesses do the latter and and make their marketing dollars go as far as they can go. Ads are only annoying if they're bad. 
Like if you write a good ad, no one's going to be annoyed with you because you wrote something compelling and you made sure that you landed the messaging where it should go. Like when ads go bad um, is when audiences aren't matched up, when creative is just boring. So this is, I feel like I'm giving a spoiler for my, my PubCon talk. Uh, so Google will actually write ads that are will perform just as well, if not marginally better as a human-crafted average ad. Like, you know the super formulaic ads where it's just keyword service plus brand? Uh, Google will make those for you, and they'll perform just as well as if you made them. So if you're going to work on creative, if you're going to actually do ads, you should work on creative and put strategic thought into it. Right. Yeah. Cause the, it's, it's always been the case and for good, for better or worse, Google has always made it real easy to spend money. Mm-hmm. Um, which if you don't know what you're doing, that can be really bad because they made it so easy for you that all of a sudden you've spent hundreds of dollars and, and you wind up calling somebody like us saying Google ads doesn't work for me. I tried it. Like, well, did you really? Or did you not know what you were doing? <laughs> like, did nice you way. actually try? Right. Like you try, you quote unquote tried as in you threw money at a problem. Right. Of course it didn't work. Was this where you, um, on a sort of a tangent topic, was this where you thought your, I can't imagine this is where you thought your career would be, right? No. So I, I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher. I was confident about it. I wanted it since I was in the third grade. I was going to be an English lit teacher. I was going to empower people. I was going to get them to read and think critically, and it was going to be great. And then I, in school or in, in college, as I was getting my, my certifications and taking courses, I realized I would be poor and ineffectual, and I refused to do that to myself. Um, and so I pivoted into marketing off of a conversation with a relative who worked in PR. Um, I was kind of going through a a mid mid midlife crisis, uh, and and yeah, and and she had a we had a great conversation about what makes me happy. What are the tasks that I like to perform, and why those are the tasks I like to perform? And she's like, "Why are you not pursuing marketing? Like you clearly belong in marketing. Like this is this is silly. You're you're fighting your nature to try to do good, and there's a misconception here that marketers are incapable of good because they're all in it for profit. They're in it, in it for, for spin. And you have the ability to take your, your ethics and apply it in a way that will empower people to make money. And like by having that really powerful conversation, I ended up transferring to Emerson, uh, did some freelance work while I was finishing my degree, started off in directory SEO, which was terrible. Switched back to just doing some freelance while I, I started a nonprofit that ended up failing. Um, it was a, it was a really valuable lesson. Um, I learned how not to run a nonprofit, uh, and and then I found myself at WordStream, and it's it's been good. Like I, I've I've found the groove um, for for how to help people. And that's actually something I, I value quite a bit. The thing that I value the most about working at WordStream, or specifically working with SMBs, is that the average SMB can't afford us. Like you and me, if we were on our own freelancing, there's no way we would take these clients because they don't have the budgets to su- um, to support the kind of fees we would have we would have to have. But when you start working on the software side and, and you're, you layer in 
the scalability of software with the consultative chops of, of a PPC expert, you're able to actually empower these people. And it's something I'm, I'm very grateful for. So you literally changed directions in college. I'm very blessed um, that there are many clever people in my family. <laughs> um, and and so this was at a, um, a bar mitzvah. Uh, or, or coming of age, uh, for, for those of you that don't know, for, for a, a Jewish boy. And we were just sitting there talking about life and career. And it was just this really useful conversation. And had I not had that conversation, had I not been open to that conversation in that moment, I would probably be hating my life right now because I would be still have all of that wanting to do good, but not having the outlet to do so. And I, I truly, truly believe that marketing is not only great for empowering SMBs, but from an employability standpoint, um, this is one of the rare industries that you don't actually have to have a degree to go do. You can just get certified, practice, cut your teeth, like just, just do. It is true that most agencies, most companies like to see some sort of degree on the resume. But if you can just get that practice, get that work done. One of my favorite stories, actually, out of uh, Australia at uh, at Studio Hawk. Guy was homeless and built himself up doing SEO for for brands. And now he has this whole agency that's specifically focused around getting people off the streets, like helping people have a trade. Um, And there's... So much value in just being able to pass that trade on because this is, this is genuinely a trade that you yep. don't need a lot of overhead. You can just go do. WordStream is my first paid, oh, uh, industry okay. gig. So I start, I started off in SEO. So when Panda and Penguin first hit, I was part of the problem. I had this kind of realization that, okay, the reason why I was okay going into marketing is because I would be able to help people not hurt them and still make money. And at the time, SEO, it's gotten much better. White hat is kind of the way of the land. But at the time, it felt kind of ethically challenged. And so I transitioned from SEO to Google Ads doing kind of like freelance projects for, for local businesses while running that nonprofit angel ed whose mission was to connect students with scholarships and mentorships so that education would be as debt free and employable as possible. But I, I burnt out doing both genuinely was really stressful um, because I was not only running this company, I was also managing people's ad spends and, and trying to, to, make that kind of keep me afloat. Thankfully, I wasn't married to him yet, but I, I uh, had my my then boyfriend, uh, now husband, uh, as an amazing support system. Uh, but what I realized after that experience is I needed, this is going to sound really silly, I needed an easy job. I needed something that I knew I was good at that would just pay my bills and it would be great. And so that's actually what led me to WordStream is because I knew that I could do the job, it would not be hard and I would just, it would be fine. And I was right. Like it was, it was not a hard job and it was fairly easy to like become a leader in the team and, and, and and do great work. But more importantly, I was able to kind of recharge the more, the, the innovator, the entrepreneur in myself, which allowed for kind of these projects that I've created. So when you ask like, wow, you're like on the speaking circuit and doing all these things, 
it gets it taking that time and taking that period in my life where I could detox from the amount of stress I had allowed to build up to then apply it again in a far more useful and scalable way was the kindest thing I ever did for myself. Um, because had I not have done that, I would have just not been useful it, and, and I wouldn't have been able to help people make money. That's, that's almost, yeah, it almost sounds like a, like a healing process you went through. Yeah. How did you mention your, uh, your husband? How did you guys meet? So we, we actually met online. Um, and we, we always would joke, um, that I'm the, I, I was the, the quote unquote sugar mama or I, cause I, I, I always was the one making the money, handling the money and he was the artist. But we would also joke that, Everyone would understand his stuff because he builds really cool things. Like he's a, a digital uh, archaeologist. He does archaeological reconstruction. He actually has several museum installations. And so people would like, ooh, and odd, his stuff. And my things would be like, I'm, I'm just a marketer. Like it's, it's not that interesting. And so what, what we do really well together is we balance out each other's respective stresses and empower each other. And it's, it's actually incredibly useful that given how competitive we both are, we're in completely different industries because we're both able to be great and, and, and win without competing against each other as opposed to being in the same industry and almost like, okay, who's better? Who's seen is, is getting this accomplishment. So we're, we're, we're a really good team. My wife is a, as a teacher assistant, she used to, she used to have a sort of full-time corporate gig. And then when we moved, she switched and she's working part-time at an elementary school and literally making zero, close to zero, almost negative dollars. But, but what she does compared to what I do is like, I'm, what I'm doing, you know, almost seems insignificant to what she does and the stories she tell me and people can relate to what she does. And she has the stories and, you know, all the hugs she'll get out and about from kids that just run into her and, my wife's the one that greets all the kids every morning when they walk into the school and just, it just makes the kids a day because she's so chipper in the morning. She's a morning person. I am not. And every morning walk- people make the world go around. <laughs> I know. It's like, I don't have those kind of stories. And uh, so I, I have marketing stories, which isn't quite uh, changing the world. I sort of like she is. And, and she has, she has the bad stories too. She has horrible stories that aren't worth sharing, but she has the good stories as well. I think you should be kinder to yourself <laughs> and the impact and the impact that you have. Cause marketing does actually have tremendous power to change lives. It's just it's how we choose to apply it. And the, the difference that we make in, in brands lives um, and the people that work for those brands, like we are genuinely able to help them get their raises, help them meet fiscal responsibility goals. We make a difference too. And if we magically disappeared, there would be a lot of dumb money thrown around right. and only, and only big brands would succeed. And, and it, because of marketers, we're able to carve out a place for also the SMBs. Granted, enterprise marketing is also wonderful and amazing, but like that's, that's kind of what I hold on to, and, yeah. and maybe it can it can helping help the, helping the little guy succeed. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, if I can go back a little bit, where did you where are you originally from? Uh, I'm originally from Connecticut. I lived in Florida for nine years. I lived in New York. I've lived in Boston for a decade, and we just bought a house in Rhode Island. So I, I'm going like up and down the East Coast. Are you uh, mostly working remotely these days? Then uh, I have one day of. Uh, a week uh, I, I work remotely um, but then I actually come into the office and it's so everyone thinks that commuting on the train is the worst it's a beautiful uninterrupted hour 
where there's no Wi-Fi, so I can just be in the zone and get content done. I get my, cause I, I get my best work done in the morning. And so I can just sit there with my coffee, my protein bar, nice. my computer. It's in the quiet car and just listen to music and get the work done. And I have a, a beautiful uninterrupted hour where, I mean, and, and you know how it is. The moment you, you, you get into an office, the moment you, you kind of arrive, everyone has questions, meetings. And it, it's, it's really nice having that uninterrupted hour. So anyway, so anyway, so you you grew up really multiple places. What did your um, what did your parents do? Uh, so my dad started off uh, as a, a jeweler, um, and then he switched into real estate. He's very much an inspiration for me in terms of being able to just constantly innovate and, and follow fiscal responsibility. He's where I get maybe my more risk tolerant uh, attitudes, and then my mom. For a while, was a stay-at-home mom, but then she went back to work designing kitchens at Home Depot, and she is a hundred percent where I get my over-analytical, over-analyzing, risk-averse tendency. So between the two of them, I'm mildly healthy. I don't know, um, <laughs> but that's I'm very blessed that my family gave me fiscal responsibility at an early age. They were very good about empowering me to save early, to think about, to, to have an active role in how money works and, and how to think about not just profit, but also short-term and long-term investments, being uh, giving back to the community um, and how much there actually is value, not just in feeling good, but also uh, from a profit standpoint and, and giving back. It was... Um... Going to college sort of always the plan growing up, but did your parents kind of say you have to go to college? Was that their decision or just assume, assume you would go? Uh, so I have a bit of a Hermione complex. So college <laughs> was, was an assumption, not because I had to go, but because I needed to know. I need, and I needed to truly know it all in terms of what I did with school. My dream was to be a teacher, mm-hmm. but I also was really excited to be a cook. Like, I love cooking. It is truly, truly one of my passions. And I had this idea of opening up a philosopher's cafe. And I wrote out the whole menu and I had like the, I wrote out my little business plan for it. Please tell me you have that menu somewhere. Yeah, like written down <laughs> with, um, like, with like crayon and all that. Okay, it's, I was great. Sure. I'm just picturing like every dish being named after a famous philosopher, that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like the Plato Pita and, and all those things. And my, my parents were like, listen, you are going to go for a quote-unquote regular degree first. And if at the end of your regular degree, you still have that hunger to go into culinary um, and to open a restaurant, we 100% back you. And I'm so grateful that they did because had I have gone the culinary route from the beginning, I wouldn't be in a position to pivot as easily into marketing as I was going for English or from the English teaching route because there's a number of credits that, that like easily applied Whereas on the culinary side, none of it would apply. And so I would have effectively mildly pigeonholed myself into going down one path where there's no step back. Whereas because they, they were really good in helping me think about, okay, if, if you still want it, we support you. I could then pivot successfully. Do you still have that sort of dream in the back of your head of one day opening a restaurant or a cafe or is that gone? It. It vanished the moment I realized that my retirement could be or could consist entirely of rescuing dogs. <laughs> like my dream now is to have this big 
like several acre plot of land and just rescue all of the dogs, um, which my husband is, is very, very excited about, very, like extremely. <laughs> well, pet wise, what do you have and what are their names? There's HK47, my, my PPC puppy on Instagram. And then there's also Chinook, uh, my Aussie cat. Uh, we recently lost, she, she passed away, uh, Chinook's sister, Kiowa. But Chinook and HK have the best bromance ever. They are they're just the <laughs> cutest dog and cat. And they, they cuddle together. They play together. It's just, it's so super cute. And it's actually really funny. HK knows exactly when I'm talking to a client versus when I'm just working. Because he's actually super respectful when I'm I'm talking to a client or on the phone with someone. But the moment I put my headphones down, he's like, all right, it's time to play. It's time to play. Like, I was good. It's time to play. Whereas when I'm working, if I work too long, um, he'll actually put my computer down. Like, he'll just tap it down. He's like, nope, it's it's time to go. Like, I, I waited for you. You're, you're, it's your time to play with me now. HK-47, right? Yeah, HK-47 after the assassin droid in Star Wars. That's so... That's so nerdy. Yeah. But, but in the best way possible. Do you have an uh an eagerness to like to get down to Disney and see the uh the new land there? I do when I have money to burn. Um I'm I'm super jealous of, of all the people I see going. Like if I had unlimited money to burn, I would unequivocally do the custom lightsaber. And I'd go in with no preconceptions. Because like my 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 I am predisposed to purple um, for the whole light side, dark side, uh, or recovering dark side user. They, uh, apparently, like if, if you read the write-ups of, of the, the process that they have you go through, and it's, it's a $200 experience. You are paying for an experience. Um, this is actually one of my favorite examples in marketing of turning a, a want into a need. Because like after you read these write-ups, you're like, I need this. This is really important. This is me having a soul searching experience that I will have a physical manifestation to like help me channel. Like that's, that's amazing. So yeah, I, I, that's, if I, if I could just blow money on, on one thing, it would, it would be, it would be that. So what's that? What's, uh, what's next for you career wise? I mean, obviously I know you're, you're happy there, so I don't want to insinuate you're leaving, but, uh, do you sort of, do you have a plan? Are you kind of just winging it and kind of see where you, where it takes you? In part. Um, so what's defined me and in, in my career and, and kind of what actions I take are the three main skill sets that I have, which is customer success, business development and thought leadership. And it matters a lot to me that whatever happens next or in my next role, within WordStream, beyond, is I get to honor those three parts of me uh, that matter the most. So a lot of the projects I've, I've been working on revolve actually around that, that potential value of customer uh, I just mentioned, thinking about how do we help customers assess the value of their customers and, and orient their marketing efforts in that way. But I'm also really excited about speaking. I, I've been putting a lot of effort into going on the speaking circuit, growing our pool uh, of thought leaders. So yeah, it's, it's all good stuff. We, we talked a little bit about you being in college, like, because I'm curious, because um, just a little bit about me, because this, this is how it relates. I have a, a daughter who's a senior in high school. And so she's going to college next week. So it's got me thinking a lot about not next week, sorry, next year. Whoops. It started thinking a lot about um, career wise and sort of what to tell her. And this was all just a big, a big ploy to, to uh, help me be a better parent. This whole conversation. 
No, just but it did get me thinking. Like, what? I mean, what would you outside of you know her? Just but in general, what what advice would you give to a whether a college student or a, or a senior that's thinking about going into college? You know, if they want to go into marketing, get fully certified in all of the tests that are free. Potentially some of the ones that aren't, because once you're fully certified, you get entry into that database of potential service providers can help handle Google or or Microsoft ads. The other thing I I would think about is what tasks bring you joy? Like, do you enjoy the numbers parts, a part of, of work? Do you enjoy writing? Do you enjoy interacting with people? Because depending on what tasks bring you joy, you can be in marketing, but have a vastly different career. People going into into college, a make sure that you're only going in because you have a, the the school you're going to is going to give you a very specific benefit for a, a job that you know you want. You actually, I don't think you should go to school unless you already know what you want to do. It, it's far better to do an apprenticeship, work work for a bit before going in if you don't know what you want. But if you do know what you want, make sure that the program will give it to you. Nava, thank you so much for joining me today. And listener, thank you for being a part of today's episode. I appreciate you making this part of your podcast routine. Be sure to subscribe so you're first to know of new episodes. If you haven't had a chance yet, leave me a comment on Apple Podcasts or however you are listening. I'd love to hear from you. Reviews and stars are always helpful. As always, you can find the podcast on all the major channels. Join the discussion online. Let's talk even more about marketing. You can find me on Twitter today and every day at John W. Ellis. Thank you and see you next time.